Welcome to episode 642 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 642 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Pretty good, yeah. Got some new shoes. I did, I got these in Hawaii, actually. Oh, did you? Yes, I did, when we were out shopping that day in Alamoana. Oh, yeah, we, we, we met up for lunch. Where did yeah. we go? California Pizza Kitchen? Yeah. That was good, wasn't it? It is. You know what's frustrating about my shoes? So a new pair of Vans. Yeah, he's a bit of a skatey old John is. Got thought, oh, I'm in there, I need some socks as well. Yep. Thought... I don't really need five pairs of socks, but I got a five pack or something like yeah. that. You get home, they're shit. Oh, no. Got five pairs of crap socks I've got to throw away. Nothing worse. Give them, give them to charity. So good, someone, good I could do. Someone <laughs> do have some crap socks out there. Uh, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by Extreme Endurance. Oh, Active Buffer. And our patrons. And uh, let's name a few, Jumbo. Thierry, Dirty Little Secret Bessidy. We've got Murray, the Holy Hammer Lapworth. He was hammering it out in the pool. He's team captain of lane two now down at the pool. Do you have captains? He is in charge. What does that mean? Uh, he's giving instructions to all the, the <laughs> other. He's in a, a lane of females. Oh, and he, it's a he, dangerous one to be the he captain of. Is uh, <laughs> bossing them around and Adam Flipper Philby. Okay, in this week's shows, we've got uh, a bit of an old school show, really. We've got some news, we've got a hot topic of the week, we've got age groupers of the week. Coach's Corner by Bevan. Woohoo! I know, John Newsom. I, I, I lightly mentioned it last week saying, Well, I might one day do a Coach's Corner. And he sent me an email. Remember, you said yeah. lock it in. So I've done my homework on that. And then we've got a wanger of the week and questions and answers at the end of the show. John, we've been away for a couple of weeks because uh, we, were, we were, I was away, wasn't I? Um, I've just about finished Hellman's book. Really oh, enjoying yeah. it. Good. Yeah. Interesting Great stuff. interview. We had, I, I saw a number of people at the weekend and the locals who loved the interview. Yeah. Get a hold of his book. It's it's kind of lots of little short little stories, really, isn't it? Lots mm. kind of kind of analogies from his life, and just some really fascinating stuff in there. So, if you do want to get his book, you can just go into last week's show notes, which was uh, six forty one, and the links are in there. So anyway, we had, we missed a few races from the weekend before. Tell you what, what about Ironman Arizona? Now you wouldn't the, have picked that for the win. You would not have picked that for the win. And what a great um, race. So, but also the females. I mean, we'll, we'll mention, start with the males because that's how it's listed on good old tryrating.com. Um, but the females' performances were amazing. Uh, Aniko Lanos uh, came home in 8.04. He swam 49. He rode a 4.21 and came home with a very solid 2.47. Pretty complete so, race, really, isn't it? It is. 8.04 on that course, though, is pretty slow. You know, normally you've got to be easily under eight hours to, to take it out. Uh, so I think it was good on him. You know, you've got to take your opportunities when you when they come in front of you. And he's certainly towards the twilight of his career. Uh, for those that don't know, he's been in the podium in Kona. Um, oh, back in like 2007-8, he was like one of the favourites. He was a real contender. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he had a few good races with Crowey. So good on him. You know, uh, he hasn't had an amazing results over the last few seasons. So Here's he, a question for you. Yeah. Do you think he'll go to Kona? It's got a ticket. Wouldn't I be know, surprised. Yeah, like, 
Like, surely he might be in the Cameron Brown part of his career now, where it's kind of, you know what, make my money. Turning up mm-hmm. to Kona is probably not going to be a moneymaker for him. No. Uh, Clint, uh, Clement Alonso McKerner was also another Spanish fella, was in second place, four minutes back. And TJ Tollickson, so it's a bit of a veteran's day over there, uh, was in third place. Uh, we had a few DNFs over there of guys that, that may well have been factors. Uh, Victor Del Corral um, pulled out, another Spanish guy. Jeff Simons pulled out, and also Joe Skipper pulled out so you would have thought they may well have been in contention but if you don't finish the race you're not in contention and I wonder how many of those pulled out because they're like I'm not going to get my ticket here pull out now I think it's going to be I th- I, th- I think it's going to be a common theme that being said you still got to make a buck uh, and but if, if you're outside say the top five or six there's yeah. going to be a lot of half marathon assessments isn't there mm. when you're halfway through the marathon and you're going to go I'm only going to get a top five here today Save myself, try to go somewhere else in a couple of weeks. I think so. Yeah. Now, the females race was awesome, awesome performance by Heather Jackson. So she had a crappy Kona compared to the, the standard she's been at over the last couple of years. Um, she went out there and went 8.39. Nice. Still three minutes off Chrissy's record, but... I know, but you've got to say Chrissy, you know, you put into that, freak. that bracket, you put Chrissy, you put Daniela uh, Reef and a couple of others... But so for her to get within three minutes of that time, 8.39 yeah. is awesome, uh, especially when you think the winner went 8.04 on the male side. So she was only, uh, what, 35 minutes behind the first male. Often we see the winners being an hour behind the first male. So she's, and especially when she's not a great swimmer, you know, swam 57 minutes, rode 4.35 and then came home with a 3 hours and 48 uh, seconds run. Uh, so awesome performance by her. And it's just a shame at this time of the season when everything's quietening down, these athletes often won't get the same sort of exposure that they would if this yeah. was maybe a championship race or something like that. So pretty good prize awesome. money. Yeah, 15,000 US for first, yep. and uh, you know, for her, she's she's booked her ticket to Kona, which is great, but also an awesome performance by Carrie Lester, uh, she swam 53, rode 435, uh, 4.37, and ran a 3.07 for an 8.44, so awesome, another awesome performance by her. Okay, so we also had... Oh, I'm third oh, place, third oh, sorry. place, because uh, she set a bike course record, Jen Arnett from Canada, swam 103, rode 4.35.13, so only... 12 seconds quicker than Heather Jackson uh, and ran a respectable 307 also for an 8.51 so some very strong performances. Meredith Kessler's still not really performing, she was down in 6th uh, place uh, so yeah good stuff all you Arizonians So we had Ironman Malaysia and just looking at try rating here, he was, uh, uh, Dawson saying it's typically a slow course because of the heat and humidity but this year was even slower than the past, the adjustment of negative 11.33 was even slower than the new course rating of negative 6.48 and I think this was reflected in the times. It's interesting now. Oh, the, wow, the guy dominated the dojo, didn't he? It was, uh, it was male and female do- dojo domination. But it's interesting, you know, like an eight and a half. You don't see many races won with eight and a half nowadays, do you? You certainly don't. Not unless uh-huh. they're incredibly hot or incredibly hilly. Uh, so over here, you've got the the former incredibly hot. So Daniel Sapinov from Ukraine swam 48, rode 440 and ran 3 hours and 19 seconds for an 8.33. Took home 5,000 US but also got his Kona ticket. You think other years you'd win this race? It's not enough. You know, no. you're going to probably have to win two races almost um, at that tier to, to qualify. Uh, 
to be fair, the, the others in this field, you know, it was a bit of a, a no-name field. Uh, Kato Tahara was in second from Japan, and Ulz Müller from Sweden was in third. When you can go on 909 and get third, I mean, again, taking a hat off to these people that race in these conditions, very tough, but uh, not super speedy. On the female side, Maureen Half uh, also had a dojo domination coming home in 9.25 for a 30-minute victory. She swam 57, rode five hours flat, and ran a 3.22, beating off Simona... Kree Van Kova from nice. Czech Republic and Frederica de Nicola from Italy in third place. I wonder if we're going to see, because this is the first year of the new rating systems or new qualifying systems, I wonder if we're going to see, like this year, it was a bit of a cherry pick, wasn't it, this race here? Yep. You know what I mean? If you get a, a top 15 in Kona, they mm. walk in, as long as they pull off an okay day, mm-hmm. people are going to learn which races are probably a bit of a cherry pick. And it'll be interesting to see who turn up to races like this next year. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I think the um, the smaller races are prob- possibly going to people. As you said, people are going to cherry pick a little bit more. Yeah. Then the problem is, everybody starts. This is this is what I used to do when I was, you know, uh, yeah, I, thought about, you were being clever. I was a fifth tier pro, and <laughs> uh, and I ch- cherry picked a few, and uh, and you turn up, and everyone and else goes there, and then all of a sudden, everybody's in. You're like, what the hell? I remember going to this race in Malaysia, <laughs> looked at the results in the previous years, going. This is like a guaranteed top 10. Uh, and you turn up and it's just, everybody's there. And I got like, no, we're not even close. <laughs> There's no cherries on the tree. No. Uh, we also had Iron Man, Cos- oh, did we, we did the girls, didn't we? We did. Uh, Iron Man, Cozumel, um, and Michael Weiss. Great result from him. He is, yeah. He's, he had a good, uh, you know, a solid Kona and has had a very solid year overall. Swam 47, rode 4.13 and ran a 2.54 for a 7.58.34 um, for a... 13 minute victory over Samuel Hertzler from Switzerland. Never heard of him before. Ivan no. Rana, you know, pretty uh, good day for him. He seems to be a bit up and down. He was in third place in 8.12. And a girl side of things? We had Svenja Tos from Germany take it out in 8.56. Very close race between her and Angela Nath, who was less than a minute behind. And it did, uh, I didn't follow the race, but you look at their run splits. Um, Svenja did a 3.08 compared to Angela Nath's 3.13. Uh, so obviously lost it at some stage there on the run. And then a fairly big gap back to Lisa Roberts. So this is one of those instances where she, misses, she is a, a minute behind, no cone of slot. Yeah, <laughs> and previously you go, ah, oh, bugger it. Still I'm, good points. Still good points. I mean, I, but, uh, the prize money difference is fifteen thousand. Second place is seven and a half. So you're probably kicking yourself, going, shit, seven and a half thousand. But at least I've got some points in the bank here. Now she's going, well, I've got some prize money, but back to square one. It's tough. We're the Ultraman World Championship, John. And once again, we say this every year, we kind of bring up the Ultraman World Championship. Go to the website. <laughs> still in the 90s. Oh, no, no, no. They've got a new website. The results system, I'd say, is still in the 90s. But yeah, no, they've got a new, a new website. Yes, it is. I mean, uh, Ultraman Live. Oh, sorry. That, that page there, for whatever reason, is the old website. That's a link from the new website. Oh, there. okay. So okay. no, we've got to okay. give them credit. Okay, they have give a new them credit website, because but, but I'm link, seeing the old one. But the links, the link for the results went off to their old website. Okay. Uh, they do do old school uh, reporting of their results. results. I love you, it. I love you it. see the pictures on Facebook, and it's all just written in a pen up on a big whiteboard. <laughs> uh, it is very old school. Uh, first place was Richard. No. 
yeah, Richard Thompson, yep. uh, a 33-year-old from Australia. So day one, they do the 6.2-mile swim. So it's point to point. You start down in uh, it's the same beach where Ironman starts, and you swim all the way down to Keyhole. Um, this year, so he did 2.47 uh, for that swim. Uh, then they do a 90-mile bike ride, which again was different this year. He rode 4.05, which was 10 minutes quicker than uh, Rob Gray and Peter Vrabusic, who were... Is that Rob Gray listener of the show, Rob Gray? It is indeed. Nice, well done, Rob Gray. Yeah, so he had a seven-minute buffer going into day two, and then he opened a can of whoop-ass on day two and uh, bolstered that lead. He rode an eight-hour 20.05, and then he started day two with a 25, or finished day two with a 25-minute lead, and then extended that further. Total time was 22 hours and nine minutes, nearly taking down Rob Gray by one, just under one hour, and Peter Vabrusik was another sort of 25 minutes back from him. Uh, on the female side, Tara Norton, uh, she swam 3.06 on day one, rode a 5.10, then uh, had a pre- fairly healthy lead, about a 15-minute lead after day one, and sort of pushed ahead. She finished in 28 hours and 19 minutes, and that was over an hour in front of Mary Knott, and then third place was Cynthia so this year the main thing was they had a very different bike course, um, uh, especially the because day, of the, because day of two. The because, yeah, par- partly because of the lava. They still could have gone around the other way, but there was a, there's a little side road that you go off and do, um, and that's the part they wouldn't have been able to complete. So this year they actually went through the middle of the island. The second half of the ride was still the same, but it would have it looked like a, a, a windy, uh, long, arduous climb. We did it this year uh, on our Kona 70.3 camp. Some went all the way up to the top, but you're basically just riding this... God, it must have, It was... It was at least, the second part was at least 10 miles, so 16 k's, but that was from the upper highway, I think. So it's probably like a, a again, just, just trying to remind myself, but probably like a 30k climb almost, I think. Wow. Um, and it's just a long, straight climb. The day we did it, it was into a headwind, <laughs> and uh, it would have been tough going. And then you got a long drop off on the other side, and then you're going around... Uh, Beautiful riding on the on the other side of the island uh, as long as the weather's okay. Then you climb again all the way up towards uh, Harvey and you descend down to Harvey and you've got a you know, fairly tricky descent, especially if the conditions are off. And then the run is from Harvey all the way back to Kona, which must just be soul-destroying. I could not imagine doing that run. I Pretty did, boring. It's just... Horrendous. Yeah. Horrendous. Oh well. It's a big shoulder you run down. There's a lot of traffic going down the road. It's hot. There's zero shade. Not my idea of fun. So that's what you mean. Uh, so don't do it because <laughs> no, do do it. Uh, we did have some seventy point three just to quickly go over some seventy four point three results, John. We did, and again, this is all from the previous weekend, uh, the Zyman 70.3 in China. Now, they still had uh, some Kona age group slots. I saw Jordan Blanco, I think, uh, picked up a, a Kona slot, so there's not nice. many 70.3s with slots. Great to see Kevin Collington take that out on the male side. Interviewed him in Kona. He was yeah. the guy that came over from the Seaside Hotel he was at, and uh, really nice was it guy. Was we interviewed him in 
in the King Cam. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a lovely guy. Really nice guy. Yeah. Good to see him taking that out. Females Imogen Simons from Switzerland. We had the Asia Pacific Championships and they were held in Taiwan. And look, look Mackenzie might took it out. Solid race. Yeah. yeah. Uh, took home $8,000 US uh, in front of Max Newman and Kiwi Mike Phillips. Radka Carterfelt took out the females in front of Marinda Carfrey and Beth McKenzie. And also, Tim O'Donnell was racing there as well. It was a good, good field. We had your favourite race. Laguna Phuket race. Frederick Cronenberg took that one out. It's a, it's a funny distance over there. Uh, you swim, I think the swim's maybe uh, 1,900 metres, and you bike about 60 and run about, I think the run's either 12 or 15. It's a really good race to go and do. Freddie Cronenberg took that out in front of Bart Arnotts, who we know had that great race in Kona. Annabelle Luxwood took out the females' race. And then finally, um, the weekend just been. Yeah, this is great news, isn't it? Uh, Terenzo Bazzoni is Back in the game, he took out a 70.3 Western Sydney, uh, so he's done that the weekend before going over and doing Ironman Western Australia, so he's been battling with an Achilles injury as well as um, suffering his injuries from the bike crash, but you know he beat Sam Appleton who's been in really good form, so you know that's a solid scalp to have and shows he's, uh, he's back in the game. Good to see too, isn't it? What a journey this year's been. It was interesting, Porno sent me through an article, article and they're saying that the police don't think he was hit by a truck. And he was like, because obviously he can't really remember what happens. And mm. the police basically said, oh, we don't think you've been hit by a truck. And he's like, well, my bike got broken in half. Mm. I didn't just fall off. Yeah. So it was kind of pretty interesting that the police have kind of come out and said, we think you've read it wrong. Now, that, uh, that was all they had in the article. But um, yeah, your bike doesn't get broken in half. You just fall off. Yeah. So well, whatever happened, it wasn't good. And it's great to see Torenzo back in the game. And fingers crossed we can see him in Kona potentially what we thought he was going to be in Kona this year, next year, because he was looking sharp heading into it before that accident. It was indeed. So, John, this week's discussion, we, that's pretty oh, much news. We've got, a, we've, got a races, we've got some races coming up this oh, week. Oh, sorry, I missed the whole section here. Uh, we've got some races coming up, John. We have. I'm in Western Australia coming up this weekend. And as we said, Terenzo Bazzoni is the top seed both on Torsten's ratings and he's got bib number one as well. And go for the three-peat. champion. Yeah. Amazing race last year, and uh, did go, how fast did he go the year before that? He did amazing race. No, it was, must, was oh, it last year was the, the swim. Yeah, the swim because the shark. Remember? Yes, yeah, that's yeah. Right. So he did seven twelve last year, but the year before he did seven fifty one, nice. which was an amazing race as well. So both he and Melissa Halshite, uh if she's racing, three is peat. going for a three peat. We'll see if she is racing. Do you is know? Here is a funny story about the word three peat. Mm-hmm. Pat, oh, all the American listeners are going to know who I am talking about. Pat Riley was the coach of either the Lakers, the Lakers or the, I think it was the Lakers in the 80s. And they'd won two titles back to back and he thought, oh, three-peat would be the word. So he went and bought the copyright for the word three-peat. Right. And now whenever three-peat, if you've got to use three-peat, he makes shitloads of money from it. So we've we got to send him a check now? Yep, yep I've just sent him a million. <laughs> right. There you go. So, no, but yeah, basically if you want to get printed or you want to use the three-peat, and, you know, so he actually owns the copyright for the word three-peat. So this is going to be a great example. Um, we're, bang, we're banging on about this new qualifying system, but it's a really good solid field here yeah. so this is going to be a good example of people will they pull the pin if they're not going to get a Kona slot or will they keep racing for the money so you've got Terenzo you've got James Kanama Luke McKenzie Cam Worth and David Dallow um, plus a bunch of other guys that are half decent so there's five guys that on their day can be in the top ten in Kona do you think Dallow's still got it? Uh, he's well, well we should pull up because we haven't seen a lot of him in the top no, po- you, you, part you, of the field you, you say that but I'm going to go to this. You, you carry on and, sit and, and talk well, about what's Well, interestingly, so because like to me, when you look at it, you go, well, Luke McKenzie smashed it last weekend, but Luke is hit and miss. To me, it is really Terenzo and James uh, and Cam Worth. I think those are the three. And then you're going to say Luke McKenzie could be. 
not quite sure of David Dello. I think maybe his prime's behind him, but okay, I could be wrong. Okay, so David Dello uh, this year in the Shanghai 70.3. He got 10th. He won the Kui Jing 70.3. Uh, he didn't finish Ironman Australia. Didn't finish the World Champs last year. Didn't finish... Uh, finished seventh that one race, yeah. So he did win Ironman Australia last year. That's what I was thinking of. Okay. Uh, so that was May 2017. Okay, because uh, there was a period there where he was like top ten Kona contender, mm-hmm. contender, wasn't there? Yeah. Did he get a top ten? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. 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 Big guy, nice guy, and he loved yeah. Wally Lewis. I remember that when we interviewed him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so that's sort of your males field. On the female side, you've got uh, Caroline Stephan making her comeback. Yeah. Uh, so she's been having some some really good form on the seventy point threes. You've also got Maureen Half, but she raced last weekend, so I'll be surprised if she's backing up. Beth McKenzie, and it doesn't look like we've got. Um, uh, we have Melissa Halshite racing there to, to, to get her three-peat. There we go. We just, that just cost us more money there. Uh, we need some oh. more patrons because... Um, Every time we say three-peat, it's a million dollars, I'll tell you. <laughs> just put the house on the market, John. So, <laughs> yeah, go. again, you know, a, a good, solid females field and uh, somebody's going to miss out on some Kona slots. Okay, and then we've got Ironman, Mardel Plata mm-hmm. and uh, Tim O'Donnell. Argen- Argentina. Tim McDonald, Andy Potts, Michael Weiss, Matt Hansen. Again, a strong field. Andreas Raylert, although Nico Lannis is down, so there'll be a few people who won't turn up. But mm. again, a good field. So second year this race has been held. Matt Schrabot, who we also interviewed in Kona, uh, is the one last year, and Sarah Pampiano. Uh, but this is a, this championship race. Uh, Tim O'Donnell, as you said, he raced in a 70.3. We raced in that Asia, uh, Asia championship yeah. race. Andy Potts, great Kona. Michael Weiss, as you see, he probably won't race because he won last weekend. Matt Hansen, he DNF'd last weekend, so he might be racing. Uh, so, yeah, really hard to know who's going to rock up there. Uh, also got Dylan McNeese, who'll hopefully be leading out of the swim and spanking it. Uh, so, big field, or not big field, 30, 33 athletes on the start line. Females field is quality. Yeah. Uh, so you got Miranda Carfrey, Sarah Crowley, Susie Cheatham, Sarah Pampiano, and Angela Nath, all top 10 Kona uh, athletes, not every year, but uh, Angela Neath, you know, she just missed out last weekend, so I doubt she'll be doubling up. Um, and then you've got Dee Dee Griesbauer, so she's uh, eighth seed there. She is the female you hear commentating on the a lot of the Ironman coverage so over in Kona. She was the main female commentator. Uh, so good quality field. It is a championship race, so that's what we want to see, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's got good money, uh, and it's also got a few more slots. So, so you've got here floating. What's floating? So that's sort of the, the – this is basically – floating means – let's shaft the females. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> More or less. It's a, a pro rata system. So I had a quick look to um, remind myself of the new – how the new system's working. So at the this race here, which is Marta Plata, which is the South American Championships, there's two male slots and two female slots guaranteed. Okay. And then there is two floating slots. Now that's done on a pro rata basis of allocated of, athletes. Uh, allocate uh, of how many males to females there are. So in this instance, on the start list that Torsten has, there's 33 males and about 16 females. So I'm not quite sure how that will work, but I would suspect um, two males will get it and the females won't get any more. So, yeah. I think, I think in you terms You always need to put, to put three floating in, don't you? Yeah, so then there's an extra female slot. Because you're kind of saying at the moment, 
it's basically males getting one per 15 athletes and then females are missing out on one because they've only got 16 altogether. Yeah, so I think this one's a real close one. I think other races where you say, right, there's 40 males and there's 10 females, yeah, then it'll easy. be a bit more obvious. Yeah. This one, you know, depends on who turns up, could go, could go potentially either way, but I would suspect in most instances those floating slots will go to the male field. Uh, and Wait, you need at, to go towards your mic. And what that will, the, the outcome of that will be at the end of the uh, qualifying, you know, you would suspect that the numbers will be similar to what they have been previously, you know, that sort of, uh, what is it, 50 to 35, I think. You know, they will have gone through all this and be trying to aim for similar numbers to what they've had previously, I would imagine. So you also have done a bit of research on what's going to happen with pre- previous champions and stuff like that. So what, what, what's the deal there? Yes, yeah, so in terms of how the slots are allocated through the season, uh, so they do have the, the you know past performance um, qualification system. So if you're a past champion from Kona in the last five years, you get an automatic slot. You do have to validate, but you've got an automatic slot. Yep, which is fair. And also, I didn't, didn't recall this one, second and third from last year also get an which automatic slot. Which I think slot. Is, is right. Oh, I'm no, in two you're off top three in Kona. Yeah, but then it gives you a really big unfair advantage for the, the previous year against all your competitors. Yeah, well, you got top three in Kona. Well done. Yeah, I'm not sure I agree with that. Uh, you get top three, that's, that's your reward. You know, you've got a top three, you've got more prize money, and you've, got, you've done it, but should that give you an unfair advantage for the pre- next year? I'm not so sure. So, why, so do you think the champion should get it? Sorry? Even then. I think there has to be a reward. Mm. But it's just, it's a big unfair advantage and it's not a level playing field. And I like there being level playing fields. If you win, the, the outcome you is... Need to turn your mic, you, you keep tilt your mic towards your mouth. Why don't you leave these set up exactly how they are every week? All week? Yes. Leave it in the lounge. <laughs> leave it in the lounge. Don't move it just one. Just tilt it up. It's not the rocket science. So tilt it towards you. Tilt it. Tilt it? Yeah, like, like, like that. Like that. Can you hear me? Grab it. Grab it. Go that bit there and go like that. Grab 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 like that. Okay. Oh, there you go. Oh, Bloody man. rocket science. This is, I tell you. I can't read anything off my screen now. Bloody oh, hell. Jesus, I work this one. Get some so, wait, so do you think that, that the the last year's champion shouldn't get one? Oh, come on, that's stupid. No, it's not stupid. It's, it's not. Stupid. That, the reward is you're, you're the Hawaii Ironman champion. You're the champ. You've got that. You're, you're, not, you're not set for life, but that's your reward. You've won the bloody race. Well, I don't. I'm still really in two minds that you should get an unfair advantage for the next year. Oh, I think you're silly. I think you're, I think you're, I think you're silly. <laughs> I think you're silly because... I don't like your hair care. I, I think I, you're silly. I, I think... I think... No, just in my mind, I think there should be a reward. Obviously, you get the finances and, and you get the gains, but but also think it's good for this. And also, let's say the Tony Temp doesn't qualify. I don't think that's a good look for the sport That's either. not a good look. But... Mm. Yeah, I, I'm, I understand what you're saying, but I'm more on the side of they shouldn't get a you're slot. You're just an old hard ass. you are. What about 70.3 champ? Do they get to go there? Well, they do, do they as well. <laughs> well, they do. So the, the 70.3 champ from this year gets an automatic slot for next year as well. So Which works for Frodo because he was injured. Exactly. Yeah. So Do you think that's fair? You can't really if you don't think no, you're don't. past champion. Yeah. I don't. Okay, pros must attend the roll down ceremony to get their qualifications. So this is interesting. Yeah. So the slots are going to roll down on the day. So it's going to be very, pretty much the same as for age groupers, you know. If so we, we, in theory, we could find out right now if a Nico Linus took his slot. Hmm. If, if we got, could find out with the right person. So I assume it still works the same as previously. If you finish in your automatics, uh, for the age groupers as well, you know, you go along and you, you don't need to go to the roll-down procedure because you go and uh, 
sign your name and pay you know mortgage your house and uh, pay your entry fee and then any remaining slots go into the roll down procedure so the same will apply for the co- the, the pros you've got to go along accept your slot on the de- the morning of the the roll down procedure and then uh, if you if you're not there tough shit it rolls down and all the pros will be sitting in there uh, waiting for a bit of a roll down so Imagine if the same happened, a few pros didn't turn up and it rolls down to like the 15th person or something. Imagine if it did. But, but the question is, is there a website that says who's taking your slot? Oh, no, no, it happens on the morning. No, but I mean like if you go to iman.com right now, do they have who's already qualified for Kona? It was not obvious because I was on there for a bit yesterday. Okay, because I, I think that's something obvious. they want to have there because I'd love to know if Nick Carolinas took it up mm. after winning last weekend. Did he take his slot or did that roll down? And it'll be good to see throughout the year who has qualified and who hasn't because mm. now we know and who's actually taken the slot because we can say he has qualified but if he doesn't take a slot, who did take it? So yeah. interesting stuff. Uh, also, pro membership is now 900. I think it was 1,000 before, wasn't it? Has it gone down? No, it's gone up. Okay. Yeah. Still, that's fair. And so comparing this race, Mel de Plata, to, say, Western Australia, there is one female slot, one male slot, and two floating. So again, in a lot of instances, I think it's going to go to the male side of the field because uh, it's... Those two floating ones are done on a pro rata basis. What happens when the point when you, um, maybe the woman's goes over thirty five? Doesn't it's, matter. If we did the floating, they seem to be able to find slots on that pair relatively easily. Uh, not for more women. Yeah, no, it, uh, that's the thing. They will have allocated x number of bike racks, you know. So it doesn't matter if it goes to a male or female. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Um, okay, so it's interesting stuff around the slot allocation. We've just got one other thing to talk about. Uh, uh, also coming up, um, yeah. uh, Hits series, which we've often talked about in the past at this time of the year. They've got Hits Palm Springs coming up. <coughs> Did a quick look at how that that series is going last year in this race. They had 37 doing the full, 130 in the half, 135 in the Olympic, 167 in the sprint, and 40 in their little entry-level race. Um, did note on the entry for the full, if you get in really, really, really early, only 300 bucks to do the full, uh, but it does sort of rise as you go through the season up to $600. So I think these type of events, we've keep, got to keep supporting the, the non-branded races that are just bloody, go out there, and do a race without all necessarily all the razzmatazz, and and especially these ones that have got a, a slightly lower price point. Um, really important, for, I think, for the diversity of our sport and to maintain the sport is to have you know your Ironman events are great. You spend your bloody thousand bucks or whatever it is to enter, but having some entry level races, I think, is really important. So Americans, check out the Hits series. Okay, guys, we have this week's discussion. This week's discussion was. Suggestion time. Would you like to try? Who would you like to get us on the show next year and why? He's got old Sam Wolves. He got a tattoo last weekend, John. He got a tattoo. Did he? Yeah. Of what? Uh, kind of a saying. That's what the kids yeah. do now. It's a kind right. of a cool saying on his arm. I can't remember what the saying was. It was quite cool. Um, he's got uh, Ross Edgley, uh, the man who swam around the Great Britain. Absolutely amazing guy. Super knowledgeable and upbeat. We, we, we tried to sort that one out, but he's hard to get a hold of. Did you? I didn't. Yeah. No, so someone, one of our listeners kind of knew him. So yeah. if anybody knows Ross, let him know because we'd love to get him on the show. Uh, Toby Schnell, Cameron Worth, never heard an interview with him that wasn't extremely entertaining and maybe Lionel Sanders for the status of his transformation into Jan Frodeno. I did note that Lionel Sanders has changed his bike to the same bike company, uh, Canyon, that, uh, that, oh, okay. um, that uh, Frodeno's on. Good old Jeff Curry's got, haven't heard from um, Felix or Andrew Messick in a while. We should probably get back on, shouldn't we? I did email Andrew Messick a while ago, but haven't heard back from him. Okay. So, uh, Richard Palmer said Spot Anderson mentioned in your last episode with John Hallamans, so we haven't had him on before. So Do you possibly. know who he is? 
So he's an Australian. Oh, my mum's trying to ring. Oh, good away, mum. Um, good old Melissa, Melissa Uri's got Gwen Jorgensen. I mean, how she's going for a switch from running That's a good to idea. Do you know, but have you kept up to date? Oh, you go to try247.com and he he, uh, he sort of keeps up to date with that. So I haven't seen anything of late. Um, but I'd imagine there must be... A, was it the yeah, Olympic I'd, marathon she was going for, wasn't it? Yeah, but I'd imagine we'll probably see her going in a, in a spring marathon, I'd, I, would, I would guess. So we'll kind of get an idea soon. Mm. Okay. Well, four or five months away. Yep. You're next. Am I? Yeah. Sarah True. Uh, yes, that's uh, she's on my radar. Good old, that's from Helen yeah. Anderson. Yes. But Kylie Cox has also said that, that she's um, awesome, funny, and has a background in battling with mental health post-Olympics. Frank Houdini, uh, Jacob Stockdale, because he's a real heartbreaker. I've got no idea who he is. Okay, well, Rob uh, Delaney has got, I'm oh, sorry, Delamore. Rob Delamore has got uh, Wolfgang Dedricks. Have we had oh, one before? nice. Uh, <laughs> no, we haven't. Who is Because he? he's got a cool name and he wears a he was a badass owning the swim and most of the bike year after year in Kona. So he was around sort of the Mark Allen era. Yep. And he was that guy who would ride it, swim off the front, ride off the front. And then he didn't explode on the run, but because everybody else was much better runners, they'd always run him down. You think, oh, he's a bit shit. Oh, okay. But he was actually quite good. And he, he had some, some really good performances. I think he got a third one year. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, you're next. Um, Ben Sales, Lance, just to bring the whole new meaning to This Week in Lance. Oh, those are the times. Uh, Skip Slade's got considered John Howard for Legends show. I think he has got overlooked during the 40th celebration. That's actually a good point. I, a, few, a number of years ago, I did get in contact with him. Uh, and so I will try to... And I did actually get spammed from him. Uh, not spammed from him. I think his email must, got a, must have been uh, hacked because I got some random message the other day. So, yeah, no, I'm definitely keen to get a few more Legends interviews popped out sometime soon. Okay, uh, next for you. Um, Finn Zuegas is Michael Weiss, who we mentioned on the show today. He always gets ignored because of his past doping abuse before Ironman. Ask him about it. To compare, Brett Sutton has been on the show several times and has had a few hashtag MeToo events in his distant past. If that is okay, then why uh, Weiss is not. Fair point. Oh, I don't know that bit. Um, good old Jim Shorts has got Gordo. We haven't had him on for a while. Maybe we'll get Gordo back. Although his life's a little bit different nowadays, but interesting that he's always good to talk to. Uh, Duncan Penfold, a pro cyclist, to talk about how they train and eat and recover. And I'll go, last one, Gareth Flynn has got John McLean, uh, founder of the McLean Foundation charity and personally impacted by a bike crash while training in the uh, Nepal tri in Australia 20 years ago, became a paraplegic athlete, wheelchair bound, and went on to be uh, back to, oh, he's got a long list here, but basically pretty legendary guy to get on the show. Very good. Now, this week's one, Bevan, you can Well, do you me. have anyone you want to try and get on? Sorry? Well, do you have a- oh, sorry. Um, oh, a few more people on Legends. In a snow still. Uh, we have to get Dave Scott. Dave can't Scott. believe he's a, we haven't got Dave Scott on yeah, Legends. Yeah, we had that sorted out the, uh, late last year. But we have, we have, we've interviewed him. Yeah. And it's a great interview. We know that. But mm. we haven't done the kind of the career, mm-hmm. you know. So we do need to get him on. Yes. Um, there you go. That's my two. Why, uh, why one? Why give you one? So I'll take yeah. Dave Scott. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Now, this, this week's, week's discussion. Okay, here you go. Well... We, we get a suggestion. I've kind of gone a bit off a suggestion we had from uh, James the Red Rocket Thomas. He said this should get someone somewhere uh, a rant. <coughs> While I think it's great that ex-pros continue to enjoy their passion, here are some points I'd like to put forward about them competing with age group athletes. I don't agree at all. 
in caps, with pros flipping between being a pro and an age grouper on quiet seasons or breaks, even with a cool-down period between racing pro and age group, then potentially back again. Being a semi-active pro and beating age group athletes is a cheap shot and poor sportsmanship against age group races. My biggest arguments against pros racing as age groupers, even when retired, is this. How would you feel if Serena Williams rocked up to your little amateur tennis tournament and cleaned up all the prizes? Or Christina Aguilera came and won your local talent competitions? How do truly amateur athletes dream of racing on a level playing field potentially packed with ex-pros? And yes, I know there are age groupers that are effectively pros, but that's a different issue. Or is it? Uh, maybe there should be an ex-pro division. I don't have a full answer, but as the sport increases in age, more and more pros will be potentially uh, filing the, filling the older age groups. You always have the, well, well, race harder argument, but I think that's missing the point. And I kind of... I don't really. We've we've done this one before yeah, about pros this, going yeah. down, but it sort of got me thinking. And your feeling is so be it. Yeah, suck it up, James. Yes, yeah, suck it up, Buttercup. Suck <laughs> it up. Uh, and I kind of agree because you know they love the sport just as much as anybody else. Mm-hmm. Why should they have to stop just because they're no longer a pro? Yeah, and, and I, often their lives change. Hmm. And I fit my feeling is for the for those that are, I think there should be an elite category, an, uh, an open category where ex pros can go and race if they want to. You know, um, at, at not just qualifying races but other races. Um, but then you got you know people like Scott Molina. He's getting beaten by a lot of age, people in his age group. And yeah, he was an amazing pro in his time. Well, Mecca's a good example. Like if Mecca would a race to race now, he'd be a good age group athlete. Yeah, but he's got a full time business now. I can't imagine he commit that much time to racing or yeah. training. So, so James, uh, you don't get much back. In you're, not, the boys. you're not getting much back. <laughs> so keep so, getting angry. But but it did give me a little bit of an idea. So sort of picture yourself as as being a pro athlete. Oh, I'm just doing it right now. Oh, there he goes. Picture he's closed the eyes. His uh, arms across the line. Yeah. Yeah. When would you decide? Uh, when would you decide the time is right to retire? And what would you do next? So let's say you're sort of at the end of the career, and you don't know what. You're sort of dabbling. You don't know where. And, you, and let's picture yourself being a, a pro for quite a few years, and maybe you don't have a career backing behind you. When would you kind of decide the time is right? And what would you do next? Interestingly, John, I was just kind of a side note. Someone wrote an article with me the other day, and in writing the article, they always send it through to just give you a quick proof if you think you object to. And uh, they said, previous Iron Man title winner. <laughs> I have to go back and say, I never <laughs> oh, <laughs> really? I'm not quite sure where you got that idea from. <laughs> Did you win your age group, though, maybe at Yeah, but that's not an Iron Man title winner. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so I was like, oh, back up. I have to kind of take that back up. I'd, I'd love it to be true, but yeah. I was far from ever winning an Iron Man. Um, yeah, okay. So, the, again, the discussion is picture yourself being a pro athlete. When would you decide it's time is right for you to retire? And what would you do next? And when you mean next, do you mean athletically or you mean just everything? Everything. Okay, good yeah. time to um, So, what you're saying is if some, if some reporter writes something about me and says you won an Ironman event in Kona, I shouldn't. I should pull them up on that. No. Oh, it's a tough one because you want a seventy point three, <laughs> and it isn't kind of. No, I'll definitely pull them up. Yeah, you would. You'd have to pull them up. Yeah. You'd have to. You'd, you'd just say I want a seventy point three Ironman event, and as long as I said that, yes, it's fine. Mm. It's I just don't. the fact that Ironman event. <laughs> no, I, I, you could own it. I'd say you're you're, you're the Kona, You are the Hawaii Ironman event champion. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Okay, uh, this, so this is a discussion. Let's talk about a sponsor, Jombo. Extreme Endurance. Galactic Buffer. Fuel 5. Fuel what matters. Fuel 5 is cutting edge 
energy formula composed of five fuel sources, four different types of carbohydrates and lactate. Uh, it's got an organic sweet potato in their blend. I love it. Uh, we call it kuma in New Zealand. We do. love a bit of kuma. Do you like kuma fries? I do quite often have oh, kuma fries. You go, go, you go to like a burger, burger fuel? fuel? I like it, but geez, you spend some money. You do. We took my sister's kids there one night. Joe and I, they come in science, so we took them over. Joe and I, 70 or 80 bucks on a meal. Yeah. Don't do that again. Yeah. But we did get Kuma fries. Kuma oh. fries are good. So you can get some Kuma in your Fuel 5. Uh, it's got energy carbohydrate blend to help stabilize blood sugar levels during exercise. It's got magnesium, calcium, and vitamins B6, B12, etc. to help assist in your recovery. Uh, it's a clean, light flavor for extending your training. And I think that's probably the, the one line that comes through for me when I've had the Fuel 5 on camps, etc. Just tastes a little bit lighter, not as sugary and and you do kind of feel like you're not getting those big sugar highs up and down. So check it out, xendurance.com. They've got the Fuel 5 plus the Fuel 5, as well as the Fuel 5 Plus, which has got caffeine in it. Uh, Remember the promo code IMTALK20. Get yourself 20% off. And um, if your partner or somebody like that is into the sport, Okay. Maybe you're struggling for some Christmas ideas. Yeah. Maybe a few Fuel 5, maybe a few Extreme Endurance products just to, yeah. Just give a, a give bit a of taste. a sack fellow. First taste is free. Exactly. <laughs> First taste is free. Okay, so xendurance.com, you can get Fuel 5. We've also got many other products on there. Check them out. And it's a good idea to get that bundle so you can kind of get all your products at once. They yeah. do have free shipping in America, but elsewhere you can also look at other sites as well. And promo code IMTALK20. I get John age groupers of the week. Uh, we're just going to go. We're kind of working through the Kona champions and the different age groups. And today we're going to look at the male between the ages of eighteen to thirty-five, which is a massive age group, isn't it? Well, we've got a few age groups to go through. Oh, there you go. That's yeah. why. <laughs> yeah. I thought you'd go five-year age groups. I was quite interested. The eighteen to twenty-four age group. You think that's going to be the speedsters, um, the real weapons, but. I guess you also think that a lot of athletes in that age bracket are still going to be doing short course or they haven't decided to go long yet. And because the times are really good, but compared to, say, the next few age groups you have, they're not quite as sharp. So Timo Schaffeld took that out, rode, uh, swam 57, rode a 4 32 but all these young fellas I think they just went bananas on the bike and the run splits on the run cruised, uh, no, I shouldn't say well crap. no they are they are they for, are that, for, for age group winners yeah you know 317 you would you pick up to be a faster run for the winner yeah but then everyone else is over 324 yeah so winning time was 851 and only one went under nine hours which normally it would be what you'd see but this year as we're going to find out with the other age groups is uh, not so fast so yeah you do a close to three hour run and you're uh, probably getting yourself into contention so the 25 to 29 where the times really do accelerate quite quickly you had Rasmus Svenningsen take that out he did a 55 swim 428 on the 428 on the bike that's nuts yeah, and then a 305 nuts. run for an 834 winning by two minutes but here you scroll down ninth place is still just under nine hours and 10th place is nine hours and four seconds good kiwi boy good old mike phillips brother ben phillips got third place in the age group very solid former surf lifeguard um first lifesaver swam 51 uh so yeah no sub three hour runs though well the next age group we do get one but it's not the winner so go to uh 34 30 to 34 mikhail hogboard olsen uh he went 837 
Only winning by 20 seconds. Wow. Do you think he knew? Well, he was getting run. By the look of it, he was possibly getting run down. He was, so yeah. A lot of these guys would have athletes, would would, would know their competitors' uh, numbers. And uh, yeah. So That's swam, pretty cool, isn't it? Swam 55, ran, rode 434, and ran a 303. And you said, yeah, we had one, Ryan Giliano. Uh, he ran a 258. So the, the second place guy must have lost it in transition because they basically swam the same. Oh, yeah, right. He only ran, he only rode 40 seconds different. And he ran two minutes slower. So he must have won it in transition. Yeah. Oh, that it. hurts. It does. Good old Clay. How did he say last Clay name? Emge. Emge. Yeah. Clay Emge. He is ripping his undies apart. He is. Oh, that hurts. That hurts and, a lot. Uh, the overall age group winner was Dan Plews. He's in the 35 to 39 Good age Kiwi group. Boy. Uh, Kiwi slash Pom. Um, yeah, we'll take but, it. <laughs> we'll take it. Uh, so he swam 54, rode a 4. 32. What a great run. 2.50 for an 8.24.36. I wonder in the run splits of the day, so if we go pros, it was a pretty fast day, but let's have a look. Leaderboard for the pros. Um, um, Patrick Langer. So how many people were in the 2.50? Not many. Only three males in the top 10 at least. Yeah. Jeez. He's, he's running on par. You know, a couple of minutes quicker than most of the top 10. That's, that's awesome, isn't it? And most of the, sorry, 4th through 10th. Two minutes quicker than Tim O'Donnell, three minutes quicker than Braden Curry, a couple of minutes quicker than Matt Russell, and four minutes quicker than Joe Skipper. It's pretty solid. That is awesome, isn't it's it? Eight twenty-four is it an age grouper? Mm. That's well done, Dan. That's bloody awesome stuff. So just, those just pipped uh, Cam Brown. Oh, did he? Yeah, by well, by by about just under a minute. What did Cam run? Cam ran a two fifty-five. Okay. What, what, what did he come in on overall in the end? I can't Cam remember. Cam at 8.25.30. Swam 54, rode 4.28 and ran 2.55. Nice. Do you know what place that got him? That got him 22, 23rd overall, 22nd pro. Good times rock and roll. Okay, John um, Coach's Corner. And it's the Bevan James. Oh, it was Coach's Corner this right, week. I get myself a coffee. I'm, I'm, I'm getting you as a part of it. Oh, am I? Yeah. See, I put no notes in there. I, I, that was duly noted. I was like, that numbskull's not prepared. You need bullet points. I I've got my bullet well. points, John, but I didn't want you to see them. Oh. Yeah. See, look at this. Look at this. In my little email here, today's show I've got here. Okay. So um, I did a conference a couple of weeks ago, and there was some stuff in there. And I was talking about it to John on the show last week. And he said, why don't you do a segment on it? And then reminded me. Quite abruptly in an email, yeah. <laughs> I just said, maybe you're doing a segment. Um, and uh, and I thought, yeah, I will. And then I sat down to do it, and I thought, actually, there's something different I want to completely talk about. And it's something I've worked on in my own podcast and kind of uh, in... Uh, in life a lot and kind of I, if, you, if you like I know on this show I kind of more I'm just the feeder and the clown but if you listen to my own podcast I'm really into kind of tools around um, advancing your ability to live well really is probably a good way to think about it and these are both inner and outer tools so this this segment here is a lot around your kind of self-identity and how your self-identity works against you and it's kind of this own theory that I've come up with myself but um, so I'm going to start with a statement John I'm the kind of person who and, and what I want you to think about is I'm the kind of person who, how do you finish that statement inside your head in different areas of your life? So, and, and good and bad. So tell me as an athlete, you would finish that sentence by saying, I'm the kind of person who what? Works hard. Okay, great. I'm the kind of person who works hard. What, what other ones would you have as an athlete? Uh, races sensibly. Okay, cool. Uh, goes to the limit. Cool. Uh, What's a bad one? 
Um, what's a bad one? Oh, it's a bad one about my athletic career. Or oh, we'll maybe go outside of athletic career. Um, probably don't have balance all the time. Okay, but great. I think that's pretty normal for for triathletes. There we go, justifying that. Um, I'm not sure where to go with that, Bevan. Okay, so um, let's look outside. So choose another area of your life where you're willing to be a bit more open about. Parenting. Okay, so as a parent, I'm the kind of parent who? I'm always there for the kids. Okay, great. At, uh, very active in what they do outside of school. Okay, cool. Uh, discipline them well. Yep. Uh, smash them up. Smash them up. Yeah. So, so um, what's another an area as a parent where you kind of think, Ugh. Like it's a bad, you know, like. Uh, probably don't always use the best language around uh, giving feedback on behavior that I'm not happy with. Okay, nice. So for, for example, for myself, um, as an athlete, I'm a hard worker. Um, I uh, have the ability to push myself really hard. Um, in other areas of my life, um, with money, I'm very good with money. I'm very organized with money. I am very have good systems around money and I love to think around money. Um, when I think of uh, with people, I'm I'm the kind of person who makes people feel good about themselves, and I am I'm really good at kind of being there for people. So these are kind of statements that I have around myself. Some areas where I'm not so good. So like um, as a musician, um, I, I struggle with creativity. So I'm really good at practicing the piano, but I don't necessarily end up producing many songs. And and I kind of want to be a creative person with piano, but I have this thing of I'm the kind of person who struggles with creativity as a musician so when we kind of have this statement of i'm the kind of person what you're really showing is your identity the way you see yourself as a person and and as you're listening to this right now as a listener maybe it's a good idea if you've got some time to actually pause and maybe just look at some different areas of your life and kind of say okay well as an athlete i'm the kind of person and you can kind of come up with three or four and it is good to think of the good and the bad and then what you can also do is do it to different segments of your life so you can do it with as an athlete you can do it as a parent you can do it as a worker you can do it as you know just the areas that you feel are important to your life and it's good it's really good to do this in both the good areas and the bad areas Mm -hmm. so then the second area is once we've kind of established i'm the kind of person the second thing we want to think about is well what actions does the different identity lead down to so as an athlete you say I'm a hard worker. Would you say hard worker, smart racer? Yeah. Uh, I can push the limit. Okay, push the limit. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what actions does being a smart racer lead to? Uh, because you see yourself as a smart racer, how does, how does it influence your actions? Fairly consistent res- uh, my actions? or f- Yeah, not, not the outcomes, the actions. Uh, it means I let other people go when I need to. Okay. Uh, I imagine you plan pretty well for a race. Yes, good planning. Um, what else? Uh, I don't know, just good strategy and just and, and having the confidence in what I'm doing. Is so the you right trust. Mm. Okay, so you create a great plan, you trust your plan, and then you make good choices in your race. Mm. Okay, so um, what about um, being a hard worker? What actions does that lead to? Um, gives you good mental strength. So if you're consistently doing the hard work, um, then... 
gives you that mental strength you can do it so it gives that sort of rolls into that confidence on race day that you've um, you've done the hard work and you're preparing yourself both mentally and physically for the day you're simulating the conditions uh, or simulating being in the in the in the sort of the battle do you feel that when you're not hard working you're kind of losing yourself um like if you have a consistent period of time where you're not training hard does it feel like there's a bit of a loss of john a little bit but I kind of go on campaigns so you know if I'm out of a campaign building up for a race I try to let things go and and I recognize that I'm losing fitness and I, and but I don't I try not to let that bother me too much okay um so for me so if we go back to the money one uh, the actions are a good example of this Joe and I bought a big house we bought it kind of the dream house um and in the process of buying the dream house we didn't just kind of jump on board and kind of do a silly process. We really kind of, because we're good with money, we sat down, we did a budget, we really thought about what this house would mean for our lifestyle after the fact. We kind of made us make limits around what, how much we were willing to pay. We actually walked away from the house at first because we were, it, was, it was within our limits. So because I see myself as good with money, I had a really good process around how to make a decision around a pretty big life decision that actually made us make a better choice. Um, when we look at the actions around me as a, bad side so the piano is a good example for me when I sit down to play the piano because I, I, I see myself struggling with creativity I'm really good at doing the practice of the technical stuff mm-hmm. so you know but then when it comes time to do the creative work that I plan to do often I procrastinate or often I leave it to the end of the session where I have a little, little amount of time so I'm kind of setting myself up to fail so but when I think of the different identities me with money I'm the kind of person who's good with money, at least the really great actions around big financial decisions and small financial decisions. When I see it as I'm the kind of person who struggles with creativity, my actions are actually pretty poor around trying to help me be good with creativity. Now, the thing about it is, is that I want to be creative. Mm-hmm. You know, like I do want to be a creative person on the, on the piano. You got something to say? So what, what, so what do you do about that then? Well, so that's the thing. So what we want, first of all, we've got to understand that our identity leads to actions. And when we think about um, our actions, in the good area, it's often just building evidence. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have a body of evidence that shows you you're really smart at racing races. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you pretty much, you never really underperform poorly, do you? There are a few examples, but more often than but not, generally speaking, fairly consistent. You know, and, and really, so what you've done is you have this identity, you have actions that build evidence that prove your identity. And over time, what happens is, you, you know, one thing you said about your racing is that you trust that you know how to deliver. Mm. Now, again, nurses are kind of the outlier where some things go wrong, but generally speaking, you kind of achieve what you hope to achieve. And so just to kind of recap that, we kind of have an identity, we have actions that reinforce the identity. And although you didn't really identify with this, often when we move away from our identity, we kind of feel like we're losing ourselves. Mm-hmm. So if I have a period of time where I'm training and I'm not going to that place where I'm just killing myself, I do feel I'm kind of losing myself. I kind of feel like that's not how I want to exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas when, I'm, when I get back from a really hard session, I go, yeah, that's me. Mm. You know, and, and so with your identity, often you're reinforcing that as well. So the actions, the identity enforces the actions, and then the actions lead to evidence which reinforces the identity. Now, the areas where it's bad is often often we have areas of our life where our identity works against us. And, and if we look at all areas, we have strong identities and poor identities. So as an athlete, you know, like as a musician... I'm really good at practice. I'm really disciplined with practice. So that's a good identity to have. But as creative 
I'm not. Um, and so then the question is, John said there, well, how do we change that? Mm. Um, and I suppose first of all is we've got to go, the first thing we need to do is change that in a statement. So we need to spend time identifying what is the inner statement and how does that work against us? And then how do we put an inner statement that can open us up to the growth that we need to kind of create in that? Because ultimately what we want to do is build a new set of evidence. Because my evidence, I've been playing piano probably seriously for about six years now, my evidence shows that I'm not that creative because I never really write any songs. Mm. So my evidence proves my inner statement. So, you know, when I sit down to be creative, it's like, well, you never show any songs. So, you know, it kind of, again, evidence proves the inner statement. So I've got to create an inner statement that allows me to build a new set of evidence and so what we do here is we've got to think about what's a new in a statement so like I've just written down here with music I've said I'm the kind of person who's developing my inner, inner ability to be creative with music so you can see how that inner statement has a totally different pathway to the one I'm currently holding which is I'm the kind of person who struggles with creativity so if I struggle with creativity every time I try to be creative I'm just going to kind of give up or I set myself up for failure. Whereas if I change my inner statement to I'm the kind of person who is developing my ability to be creative with music, you can see how that leads to a totally different path. You're basically trying to identify your weaknesses, aren't you? Yeah, and but you're trying to shift your perspective mm-hmm. and that's the real key because the perspective of I can't be creative leads to actions which just make me give up. Whereas if you're shifting your perspective of your inner statement, again, I'm the kind of person who is developing my ability to be creative with music, well, that's different because it's not you have to have songs produced. It's like, oh, well, what's the next step in your process? Mm-hmm. So, like, if we go back to what was the one of the ones you, you struggled with? Dealing with the kids. Okay. Dis- displaying the, not displaying the kids, but, you know, using appropriate language. So, to, what's a better inner statement that you could have around that situation? Okay, I've got one for you. Yeah. I, I'm the kind of person who is developing my ability to be calm so I can make better choices around language with my kids. Mm. Because okay? often it's emotion that takes us to oh, that yeah. place. So if you think of it that way, then you're actually trying to address the real problem. It's, it's the ability to keep in an emotional good state, which leads to a better place for you in how you deal with those moments. Now, if you have that inner statement in your head, the next time the kids go crazy mm. and you go, I'm the kind of person who's trying to develop my ability to be calm and mm. dealing with my kids, that's going to pop up, isn't it? That's the plan. And then what's going to happen with your actions? Mm. It's going to be a bit more chilled out. Take a few deep breaths. Yeah, totally. And so you'll develop a different pathway. So the, the first point is, and you're trying to change, is you need to change your personal inner statements in the area you're trying to develop. Um, the Secondly is then, and this is a really important step, is you want to develop a successful pathway forward. So um, what I mean here is that often when people try to create change, they try to create big steps that are unrealistic. So for me, if I go back to my inner statement of I'm the kind of person who's developing my ability to be creative with music, well, it's not you have to have 10 written songs by the end of the September or end of December. It's, okay, how do I set it up so when I set, when I do my next practice session, my computer set up so I can record and do 15 minutes of just creative play. Mm. So you're just going back to that small wins. So and when we think of You've changed your perspective, but then you need to build a pathway that allows you to have small wins along the way. Because what we're trying to do over time is actually sit in a new perspective, and that will only happen if you have evidence, new evidence that proves a different way. So if we go back to your example, if you can have the ability to have that I'm calm so I can have better outcomes from the way I deal with my kids, the next time they go crazy, if you stop yourself and go, no, I'm calm. Okay, what, what's the best wise step that I can have right now? Okay, this time I'm just going to try to speak more calmly. Mm-hmm. Okay, I might not be able to do it all, but just this time I'm going to speak calmly. So you go through the experience, you speak more calmly. 
that's built a win with new evidence. So what that's done is in, in the experience of the moment, you have evidence that's proved to you, okay, I can be more calm in this moment. So what that's doing is reinforcing that new perspective. And over time, really what you're trying to do is build lots and lots of wins of evidence of the new perspective. And then eventually what happens is that new perspective is just the way you are. And so often, if we kind of just kind of take it back all the way back to the start, is that often the way where our inner identity ever works for us, like the strong areas, like Mm. you you as an athlete, or it works against us in like the areas you as a parent or me on the piano, and the areas where it works against us, it's not that we don't want to improve on those areas, we really do. And this kind of tool, so the tool again is changing your inner statement, creating a, a development path that allows you to build wins and success in the moment, and then to reinforce those wins and keep that path going and building more evidence to you change your inner statements. Now if you can get to the point where you're doing this kind of work, imagine how much more you'd be successful in the areas as a musician, as a parent, as an athlete, if you worked on those areas that ultimately are quite limiting you as a person. And look, I, I think a lot of this stuff, for me, as an athlete, comes quite naturally. We could just yeah. through Because reinf- you're such an experienced great athlete. Yeah, but you know, if I'm putting this into an athlete, athlete point of view, you know, mainly thinking about the run or the, those cr- tough moments of the race, is you've got to do some reflection and go back and go, okay, I've done a half Ironman and breaking down the race into segments and as Bevan said, thinking about the things you did well and then trying to put yourself back in that moment when things didn't go well and then... That's, I suppose the point I'm saying is you need to change perspective first. Mm. Because if you say I'm a shit swimmer, you're always going to look for reasons to justify why you're a shit swimmer mm-hmm. and that becomes a barrier to actually doing the work you're doing. Right. You know what I mean? And so if you put the perspective first and go, okay, I'm I'm a beginner swimmer who's trying to develop the skill of being able to race in a race. Mm-hmm. That allows you to do your work. But what a lot of people do with their perspective is it's like, I'm shit at this, so I'm never going to open up to the work that you want them to do. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you've got to change it in a statement first in a way that allows you to open up to growth. Mm-hmm. And so if, again, for me it was... Give, give, me, give, me, no, give me an example of someone who's consistently performing poorly in, say, the second half of a run of a any distance event. Okay, so they might say to themselves, I always give up when the going gets tough. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and they have a body of evidence that proves it. Mm. Okay, so what they could say to themselves is, I am developing my ability to work a little bit faster, to work 10% faster in the last part of the race. So you see how I've gone from I suck at the last part of the race, which just closes me off to any growth, to I'm developing my ability to go 10% faster in the last part of the race. Now, as you approach the last part of the race, then you're going to have different actions, aren't you? Mm -hmm. And the work you're doing is that self-reflection around actions, but a lot of people, their perspective just stops them from growing. Mm -hmm. And so if we can identify where my self-identity helps me, but also where it holds me back, then we can shift to find different perspectives that allow me to open up to growth. And then the work that you're talking about there is building the the evidence that proves that, oh, I can go 10% faster. And then you can even shift perspectives that make you, I am a strong finisher of a race. Mm -hmm. Because that's the person, is the person who has a strong, has that identity, I always finish strong. I remember John Ellis, you know, John Ellis, the massage guy. He has this thing, he always finishes the race strong. Yeah. And you always see him finish a race. How do you finish a race? Yeah. He always sprints to the finish, doesn't he? Yeah. Now that's, that's, and the thing about yourself identity is you defend it mm. so for John Ellis he defends sprinting <laughs> that, you know because for him yeah. that's how he sees himself yeah and when we have strong self-identity 
we have defended. So like me with money, the reason we took this really massive process around this house is because I'm good with money and I'm not going to do a stupid process around a house and get emotional about it because I defend the areas I'm strong and that's what we want to do with the areas we want to weak. We want to build them up to a healthier place and get to the place where we actually defend them. Now my last point, because I know we're probably kind of, this is enough for you guys to get what I'm talking about, is do the work because a lot of people, like one thing I've really tried to add to my life lately is like I love reading books, mm-hmm. you know. I, I either read or listen to a book pretty much every 10 days, you know. Like I'm reading a book and I'm listening to books. And for the longest times, I would just read and listen to books and go, oh, that's a cool idea. And maybe apply a little bit to it in my life. But one thing I've implemented in my life in the last 18 months is if I feel the book's added real value, I then go away and study the book. And it, that's been a massive changer in my life because – um, it's one thing to read a book and that's a good idea and you might implement maybe 2% of it mm-hmm. but by giving myself 4 or 5 hours to study the principles of the book and then actually see if I can implement them in my life it's I progress so much more as a person and, and let's be honest if you're listening to this podcast you're kind of the person who wants to grow because you're doing mm-hmm. this sport and so if if you can don't just listen if you're listening to this today and you go shit Bev's got some good stuff here that can really help me don't just listen to it. Go away and study it. Go away and do the do the inner statement and practice it because I guarantee that if you will, in a short period of time, it's going to have massive implications on the results that you want to achieve in your life. So so that's kind of my segment for this week. And if you want to hear more of that, you go to bevanjamesiles.com and listen yep. to some of his... And it's uh, the Bevan James Isles show and that's, yeah, that's kind of what I love doing with my podcast. So uh, that's Bevan's Coach's Corner done for this week. John, let's do Wanger of the Week. Wanger of the week this week is uh, one of our Ultraman athletes, Rob Gray. Total time was 23 hours and 51 minutes. Second place was Mike Crean. And third place, our first female, 21 hours and 32 minutes. Mike must have done an epic run somewhere. He ran run time was 21 hours and 12 minutes. Ooh. Nice work. That is cray-cray. What well from do well to Rob too. That's yes. awesome. Second in Ultraman World Championships. Yep. That's pretty cool. Do they have to qualify for the Worlds now? Um, well... The qualifying, you've, you've got to have done an Ultraman and then, you can, then, you're, then, okay. then you're eligible. So there's okay. no times, you don't have to be fast. Uh, you've got to have done an even, uh, a race and sort of be able to prove that you can do the distance um, and then you have to apply and away you go. Okay, three, two, one, questions. Oh, good old Charlesy. We yes. didn't, actually, we need to give him some crap. We never did it. We didn't. So funny story. So we go to, we go to Kona this year. And good old Charles, he's often in Kona, isn't he? He's often yeah. over there when we're there. You may remember Charles from Epic Camp back in the day. Lovely, lovely guy. Nicest guy you'd ever meet. Um, and we're, we're talking, and he goes, I've got a story for you boys. <laughs> go, what do you mean? And he goes, I was listening to your show a few weeks ago. It was in, like in the middle of the night. He was listening to us at like two in the morning or something like that. Yeah. Listen to the show. And I hear you guys talk about, what were we talking about, John? We talked about being able to get a entry to Kona from buying we a... Were just- Disgusted. A Ventum bike. We were disgusted because Ventum were giving away maybe five slots, was it? Maybe even uh, more. They didn't classify. You you did your investigative journalism That's stuff. That's what I did too. Yeah. And they were giving away, I didn't think they had put a number on it. They had, they had slots available. Yeah, they had slots available. And we thought, this is just wrong, you know, so on and so on. We were giving a bit of a hard time. They got lots of bit of a hard time on the internet. Or Angel Charles, he didn't think. He didn't think <laughs> this is wrong. He thought here's an opportunity. Yeah. So what did he do? He literally got up in the middle of the night, didn't he? He did. Got up in the middle of the night. We bought a bike. Yeah. And uh, and got his ticket to Kona. And look, I, people that do that, I've got nothing against them. They're playing by the rules. Yeah. 
And uh, if you want to go and do that, that's fine. Now, he didn't tell me this, but I heard through the grapevine that they were kind of almost pressured to, from my man to do that. Mm. Yeah, so it was interesting hearing that side of it. So he actually did Kona this year because he got a new bike. So well done, Andrew. Good he on did. you. But the reason he emailed me um, was was not because of that. was because I, th- I made a comment, or I think you did, Bevan, sort of saying, who was the the best age group is to transition yeah. across to pro. Uh, and he made point, Laurie Bowden raced as an age group numerous years before she won Kona twice. She, um, yeah, so she, she was, a, she was, she was with Peter Reed at that time too, wasn't she? Uh, when she won, there was a period where they yeah. were married. Um, no, I'm pretty sure she won when he didn't win you because I remember talking yeah, with her interview right. and he was he found that hard. Yeah. Um, also, I remember Laurie Bowden's mother. She used to race, and I think she was a very good age grouper oh, as really? well. Um, because one year there was a when she was still racing as an age grouper. I think there was a story on the two of them. You know, Laurie's going to win, try to win her age group, and and the mother was was racing as well. Um, and then we also had on Facebook. I saw another comment there was Etienne. Chevrier, I think Tim DeBoon was an age group world champion before turning pro. And oh, I really? think he might be right as well. He was definitely an age group athlete, whether he won Kona or not, I'm not 100%. So there's a couple of examples of people that have gone from being age groupers to being pro. And the reason that came up was we've had a number of age group world champions who have turned pro in the more recent years, and you see them finishing sort They're of. Not quite making the cut, are they? Not at, quite at the top, it. top level. Yeah, um, certainly not winning the race. Okay, John, John, you're just saying Challenger tracking the prize money for both females and males, so we thought we'd have a look at what's happened with prize money for 2018. Yeah, and so they don't just do this at challenge races. They so do this what they've made in all their races. Yeah, and then they include uh, challenge races, they include Ironman races, um, they include the, what you call it, the short stuff, Super League uh, and ITU. And so on the female side, you've got Daniela Reef because she won Kona and the 70.3 champs, as well as she had five prize money races. I assume she won all five of them. Taken home 201,000. Katie Zaveris in second from 11 races. She won 177. Vicky Holland third, uh, 166. Lucy Charles, 165. And then anyone five or below is uh, under 100,000 US total prize money. And they go down 50 deep. 50th was non Stanford with 23,000. Well, a lot when you're the 50th highest paid triathlete in the world. Now we know there's endorsements and stuff outside of that. There's purely prize money. It's not massive. Yeah, no, it's not massive. It's interesting when you look at the girls because the girls have got more females. Oh, no, as long as I say girls and boys, it's okay. Okay. Because Belinda gave me a hard time in Kona. She didn't give me a hard time. She just said, if you said girls and then males, that's sexist. But if you say boys, girls and boys, that's fine. So yeah. if I say females, I've got to say male. Yeah. We live in tough times, guys. We live in <laughs> tough times. But I do just say boys and girls, so it's okay. But if we look at the boys, um, it's it's interesting Pretty because it's it's all, you know, it's all ITU in top five. No, it's not Patrick Lands there. Oh, sorry, I missed that. Sorry, there you go. So, yeah, ITU athletes are generally a bit higher. Um, but what's what's cool is... Pretty equal, you know. So Mario Mola, one hundred ninety nine thousand, and uh, what was she? Um, Danielle was, was two hundred one. Yeah. Uh, Vincent Louis second, Patrick Lang third, Richard Murray fourth, and Henry Schumann in fifth place. So when you get to fourth place, he's under a hundred thousand, uh, and then you scroll down to fiftieth on the men, basically the same. Jesse Thomas twenty two thousand nine hundred fifty seven, and what did I say for the girls, I think it was twenty three thousand. Yeah. So almost exactly the same. And I think that's one of while surprise money sucks in terms of you know the the fiftieth highest paid athlete is earning. <laughs> minimum wage you'd say the question is who gets better endorsements who do you reckon makes more money is endorsements is it an Ironman athlete 
or an ITU athlete? Well, I would say at the top level, this is just a big guess, I would say it would be somewhat similar, but I would say when you get to that second tier, the Ironman athletes would do better, I would okay. think. I so could be completely wrong. So you're kind of saying someone like a... Oh no! Let's pull up a name here. Like Joe Skipper would make more than like an with endorsements than the similarly ranked. So you take yeah. the the twenty. So let's just say for argument's sake, you take the twentieth ranked male athlete in ITU? Kona, or the, you say who's the twentieth best ITU uh, Kona athlete or Ironman athlete in the world? Maybe based off Torsten's ratings, and you take the twentieth best. ITU athlete, I would say we'd have a better idea and have better visibility of the of the Ironman athlete than you would of the ITU. ITU athletes just get lost once you're outside the top five. And that's what's been so cool about Super League is you start to see and know yeah. more of the athletes. I could, uh, you know, half the guys in the middle of the ITU pack, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't know the name. Well, like, okay, so you know more names than I do. If you just look at the, the, the boys list, if we go down here and we've got here... Go down and there just... There are a few names on there I don't recognise. So how many do you reckon it's... Because it looks like, to me, because I know more of the Ironman names, it looks like there's more Ironman, at least if you go down in the field, than what there are ITU. Which is interesting. I, no, I don't know, because I don't know as many names. Yeah, no, you know, when I'm looking through, I, I would agree with that. Yep, no, I would agree. I, I'm, I'm going to say, as just a ballpark guess, I'm going to say, yeah, probably 60-40. Which is interesting, because... You always talk about ITU is more racing, it pays deeper, but obviously it's just going to the top. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whereas an Ironman, it seems to be actually a better spread. The big difference is the expenditure side of the equation. because yeah, they get funded. <laughs> and yeah. that's the thing. Uh, yeah. but, but in saying that, it's actually not bad to be an Ironman in comparison to ITU. Mm. And what this probably doesn't include is a lot of the other ITU stuff that the athletes do in terms of French Grand Prix, and it probably doesn't include World Cups and things yeah, like true. that. And that's yep. where it might bolster or it Or Super up. League. Uh, I think it includes Super Oh, does it? Okay. John, where'd this come from? Uh, what are we, where joke are we? of the week. Oh, I was just <laughs> reading a joke the other day. I thought, this is a bit funny. I okay, I, I deliberately didn't read it. I started reading okay. it. I thought, no, I'll let Houston tell it to me. So here we go. There was an overweight guy who was watching TV. A commercial comes on for guaranteed weight loss of 10 pounds per week. Nice. So the guy is thinking, what the hell? Signs up for it. Next morning, an incredibly beautiful woman is standing at his door and nothing but a pair of running shoes and a sign around her neck that reads, if you can catch me, you can have me. As soon as he sees her, she takes off running. He tries to catch her, but is un- unable. This continues for a week, uh, at the end of which the man has lost 10 pounds. Delivered on the promise. <laughs> After this, he tries the next weight gain loss plan, 15 pounds in a week. The next morning, an even more beautiful woman is standing at the door in similar conditions. The same happens with her as the first woman, except he almost catches her. This continues for a week, at the end of which, as suspected, weight, weights, uh, 15, he weighs 15 pounds less. Nice. Excited about the success, he decides to do the master program. Before he signs up, he is required to sign a waiver. Oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> and is warned about the intensity of this plan. He still signs up. The next morning, walking, uh, waiting at the door is a hulking 300 pound muscly man with nothing but a pair of running shoes a raging erection (laughs) and a a sign around his neck says if i catch you you're mine the man was supposed to lose 25 pounds in the week he lost 34 (laughs) there you go 
The fact you keep the raging erection in there, I didn't think that'd come out. <laughs> well done. Okay, we do have to give some love to the Irish rugby team. Good old friend, the enormous eager, and he sent a, he sent an email now because I was driving home from Queenstown that day, mm-hmm. and we wanted Joe wanted to leave early. I was quite happy to stay in the hotel and watch it, but she wanted to leave early, so we 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 left, and I didn't get to watch it till five o'clock. Mm-hmm. So I was, I didn't look at the internet, didn't look at anything, and then I just checked my emails. And he'd sent me an email about the rugby. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. But he'd sent it before the game, luckily, so I didn't see the result. And then the Irish beat the All Blacks in the rugby. And did you watch it? Didn't watch any of it. Doesn't mean anything. We won the cricket that weekend. That's all that mattered. Yeah, we won did a you watch the cricket last night? I did not. Oh <laughs> it's a complete God. opposite. No, but I watched the game, and the Irish are just better than us, man. It was not like it wasn't. Sometimes the All Blacks lose. And you kind of, you know, sometimes it's rare. Sometimes, you know, we just play like crap, but we were beaten by a better team. So it's going to make the World Cup pretty fascinating. Go the Irish. And interestingly enough, I thought Ireland had more people than they do. Their population is pretty similar to New Zealand. Oh, really? Yeah. It was like four, four or five million, I think, when I, I think I looked last week. Better double fact check that. Fact Don't check want to it. pull a Donald Trump and start doing uh, incorrect facts. always right, John. Fact, 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 fact. Here we go. Here's our fact checker, John Newsom. Population of Ireland. Ireland. Ireland, Ireland, Ireland. 4.78 million. Okay, well, that might be exactly New Zealand. I'm going to do a population of New Zealand. Okay, you do that because you just do. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Is that exactly the same? 4.794 million. Wow, that's pretty 4. close. 4.784 million. That's pretty good, isn't it? We've got 100,000 more people than you. No, 10,000 more people than you. That's impressive. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're kindred similar. spirits. And half the Irish over here nowadays, anyway, after the quakes. Yeah. We've got Irish builders out the, out the back of our wowooza. Okay, John, our patrons. Patrons, patrons, patrons. We have Liam, uh, Liam Robotry Thedem Parry. We've got Michael Built to Last Collins, and we've also got a new one here. Although, we, is this just a reoccurring? No, this is one that that, that came through. So we, we gave somebody the nickname the other day, the Minister. Scott the Minister Morrison. And here's what he said. He said, I like the name, even though it was a reference to the Prime Minister. I've served as a missionary for my church, so it fits. They actually worked out really the well. The thing with Prime Ministers of Australia, they change every six months. Oh, so God. Yeah, people want to be a Prime Minister over there. I love the podcast and listen to each episode, along with your Legends series. Keep up the good work. I enjoy it very much, your Kona coverage and your episode with Matt Russell. What a great guy, incredible experience. Thanks for sharing. It is such a great way. So, since the, uh, you two are always coming up with names for your listeners, I came up for two called the... Pro- Actually, Murray sent us an email about that oh, as I'll well. save that for next week. Okay, yeah. we'll do that one. He's came up with a nickname for us, the Proclaimers. Even though the music group is from the motherland, it fits, I think. One of my favourite song, training songs is 500 Miles, and I would walk, walk 500 miles. miles. Um, as it strikes a balance of love for family and sport. You guys are awesome at proclaiming the sport and you'll notice that in the song they have such endurance that they play out 500 miles exhaustion. That's you guys never tiring out. Also, I think I didn't reply to an early email asking about me. I've been in the sport for three years. I'm a sub-11 hour full distance Ironman athlete shooting for it at 10.30 at the Palms this weekend. Palms Springs this weekend. Go, you good thing. Yeah, go, Scott, the Minister Morrison. Uh, we'll see. I don't have Strava and other social media, as I like to enjoy the peace of my training and being individual out and not subject to constant conversation from others. So even though I may not be visible, I'm a dedicated listener and fan. So well done, Visible Scott. now, Scott, the Minister yeah, Morrison. Yeah, good luck this weekend. We'll look out for the results. We'll be looking at what, that 10 and a half. No pressure. Yeah. No pressure. And just lastly... Um, I've got an email here from Glenn Van Hellemond. Uh, top podcast you deliver. 
I'm from Waikato, New Zealand, and have arrived in Tempui for Ironman Arizona this weekend. He just got to say that the recommendation from Endurance Sports Travel was absolutely awesome, and because they sponsor our Kona shows. And he said, running uh, from Nick, running around, coordinating Dave, the mechanic, highly recommend. And he just said he absolutely loved it. So there you go, and that'll be Nick uh, Morales, probably. Oh, he's a good guy. He is. He says he works hard for that bloody company. So Endurance Sports Travel. Uh, they sponsor us for our Kona shows, but if you are looking for some great travel, check them out. Absolutely. Okay, John, uh, just sponsors. Extreme Endurance. Galactic Buffer. And our patrons. And if you want to become a patron, go to www.iamtalk.me, and it's all pretty obvious on the website. Uh, if you want to get coaching, go to coachjohnnewsome.com. If you want to listen to my podcast, just go to bevanjamesrs.com. Send us content for like age group of the week, cool websites and other feedback. Just go to our website, iamtalk.me. John, watch your gossip. Highly stressful week last week getting ready for the Pack and Save Triathlon Festival. Yeah, just so you don't know if you don't live in Christchurch, the weather forecast was looking horrific. I, the, the whole of New Zealand, the weather has been horrific for the last month. I think Dunedin had record the, the highest monthly rainfall, and we're not even at the end of November, for November, since World War One. or since oh, really? records began. Yeah. Wow. Uh, the irony was is that last year we had the most... Im- the, the best November ever. And they said, they said, NIWA, which is our weather forecasting agency, said, November, it's going to be hot, it's going to be steaming, we're in for a hot summer. Yep. It's like, bloody hell. All last week it rained, and forecast for Sunday was rain. The forecast, even the day before, you know, we don't we, we look at our long-range forecast, but we kind of go, that might change, that might change. It wasn't changing. Forecast, peak rainfall was going to be between uh, 8 o'clock and about 10 o'clock, right at race time. Nice. And... Didn't get a spot of rain. It was cold and uh, and windy, and made for good challenges. Well, when you're going to be the night before, what were you thinking? Um, you're thinking it's going to rain, and that's a, the, the the one blessing with this. It'd been forecast so far out. Everybody was prepared for shit weather, and they're okay, going. Nice. Is the race on? I said the race is on. Whatever happens, the race is going to be on, and so everybody was prepared for it. And so at the end of it, everybody was like, "Wicked! That was good. That was great. Oh, cool, cool." So it ended up being a good outcome. So we were vice versa. It was going to be a great day, and then it means shit. Then, oh, it yeah. yeah, So we had some good racing out there. Great to see lots of kids racing. Uh, we had a good elites race on the male side of things. We had a bit of a dojo domination on the females, but it's always good to see like a pack of you know eight or nine guys. Smashing along in the bike. Mike Phillips was out there after doing a, a half Ironman the weekend got before. Third, got third, a couple of young juniors there. The female side, I think four of the top five were under 19s. So, um, yeah, so it was was good times. My kids got second each in their age group. Which nice. Is great. Nice. Did you, did you, did you, um, rig it? No, did you, did the DNF the, uh, disqualify the winners? We didn't. <laughs> no, we did not. Uh, one thing. Here we go. Know here we go. The, here we go. Know the course. Go okay. Tell me about it. So we had a couple Your of course people. isn't that rock, it's not rocket science. The, the, the one thing is there's a section um, of the course where you've got to ride on the wrong side of the road. So you can't go around this block. And the reason they do that is uh, to allow traffic to go down the other side. And so you, you say it so many times. On this block here, you've got to be on the right side of the road. First athlete on the road, on the road gets on the left side, goes down the wrong street. Because it's all coned. For him so he's gone the wrong to, way because he's following the wrong way. And so yeah. he's going, looking at the cones going, oh, they're pointing me that way. So what are you doing? Anyway, know the course. It's always the race director's <laughs> excuse. <laughs> know the course. Not my fault. Know the course. <laughs> Other than that, it was, it was good time. So very, uh, it's my most taxing week of the year because I had an exam on a Tuesday. How did you exam go? Well, I passed. I don't know the result yet, but I passed. 
some things make my blood boil. Here we go. Yeah, Keon, tell me about it. People leave exams early. It's a two-hour exam, and they're leaving inside the hour and a half because in the last half hour, you're not allowed to leave. Oh. Or maybe it's the last 15 minutes, whatever it is. The youth of today, Bevan. The youth. Bloody hell. What are you thinking? (laughs) I can't complete the exam in two hours. You know, I, I just complete it. Don't have time to go through and check stuff. Like, how could you people not... Maybe the, maybe, maybe the youth are way more intelligent. Maybe they're just speedy and I'm just slow. Yeah. But anyway. Maybe you're slow in your old age. Mm. So that was my week, Bevan, an exam and uh, getting ready for a race. When and do you go away? When, when did your year finish? Um, Christmas Eve. Oh, you, when do you go to Kateri? We're going later this year. We're going up after New Year's. Oh. Mm. Huh. So Why? Because that's what happens when you're sharing a batch. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> Fair enough. You've got to share the love of the batch. Yeah, what's, I don't, then I've, tomorrow I've got another, the kids race, the, the regional primary schools race. So it's going to be 750 kids. And the forecast is rubbish. Ugh. Bevan, what's happening in your world? I, I, I never trust the forecast. I, I will give the day before. Mm. But we had the Queenstown Marathon last weekend. Mm-hmm. We took a big group. We had like 110 runners. It was pretty cool. But um, we took our crew down there. It was awesome as always. And the week before, oh my God, it's been absolute and, and I just go, don't trust the long range. Even though, oh no, but this time, yeah. this time, don't trust the long range. Couldn't have got a better day. And then the next day, turned to custard, started snowing. Oh, that was horrendous. Yeah, but the day was absolutely perfect. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was, you wouldn't have hoped for a better running day. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a little bit warm for the marathon at some stage, but it was still, you know, pretty fine. So, so that was good. John, you know you're getting old. This is my new statement. You know you're getting old when? What's an example that you have from your life? Um, when you are getting smoked by teenage girls. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> that hurts. The, yeah, yeah, you know you're getting old. Well, I went and got my haircut. You may have noticed my shirt. Your haircut. Yes, yeah, and uh, I was getting the haircut. Lovely. Very good hairdresser. Because sometimes I go, I want to keep it longish on top, mm-hmm. and they cut it short. Mm-hmm. What part? Is, listen, youth of today, Bevan. The youth, the youth of today. Let's give me a haircut. Pretty good. Yeah. She's doing now touch ups. You know, the, the yeah. red, she shaved them on my ears. Yeah. Had that once, twice. I don't. Well, you weren't happy with that. Oh, I'm getting. Don't see the ears, the hair from here. Well, I can't now because she's taken it out. But every week I've been you coming. Know and you're going, getting old. Bloody hell! What's when going on? When you go to the hairdresser and they shave inside your ears. Yeah. Do you do you, your nostrils as well and your eyebrows? I do my nostrils, yeah. Yeah. I get one straggly eyebrow. Yeah. I don't need a lot, but just one. Joe always tells me off for that one. Mm-hmm. So I know when to clip it, you know. You know, you know you're getting old when. Yeah. What else is happening, John? Looking forward to Christmas now. Mm-hmm. December, I just go, mm, had enough. So I, I have a rule in our house. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, really? You have one rule? <laughs> I have a lot of rules, apparently. <laughs> What's the new rule today, Dad? <laughs> Christmas decorations don't go up until 1st of December. Oh, you're, you're the Christmas Grinch you are. And I think the same thing happens every year. <laughs> so the Tri-Festival is always so about the 25th, 26th of November. Yep. Christmas decorations are not going up until the 1st of December. Christmas decorations <laughs> are see not the going up. Good of it. <laughs> and then Porno, out of the race, he was my transition director. Yeah, he's a legend. He's saying, oh, no, we've had them up for weeks. And I said, they're not going up in our place until... December the 1st. Um, it's fair to say that I'm not the best parent or husband in the, the period before the race. I'm not really there. I've got a lot going through my mind. Can you change that statement? <laughs> I could change that statement. Got a few work-ons there. And Belinda bears the brunt of it. I think the last few years in a row, I come home from the Tri-Festival. Like it's a 
big day. I, yeah. I usually get up oh, about sure get up at three in the morning, and I probably get home yeah, about four or five, something like that, in the afternoon, and get home. Christmas decorations are all up. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and it's happened the last couple of years in a row. And I'm like, yeah, I think I'll just keep quiet on that one. <laughs> yeah, it's a fight that I can't. Have. <laughs> yeah. Well, we 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 had um. We had a couple of people over for dinner the other night and because Joe wanted to put the Christmas decorations up on Friday. I was like, yeah, let's go for it. But then suddenly she thought people might judge you. <laughs> so suddenly we're doing it this week. Right. So Christmas decorations go up. Do you like Christmas decorations? They're good. Yeah, they like shouldn't it. go up till the 1st of December. <laughs> when do they come down? Pretty quick afterwards. Yeah, Because they? Yeah. they say it's not meant to be the new year, isn't it? No, you've got to be, they've got to be down by 31st. Oh, is that what it is? Mm. Okay, there you go. Okay, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.